Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Big E here. This is Law for Virginia Law Enforcement Officers. What do you need to know as a law enforcement officer in the Commonwealth of Virginia to better strengthen and serve your communities? And this is episode 80. Today, we're talking about how long can you detain somebody in the course of a traffic stop? And if you extend that stop beyond what you are permitted to uh, hold someone for, what are the consequences? We've got two cases to talk about this time, and I think they're really interesting cases both. Um, the first case is a case from the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, and the second case is a case from the Virginia Court of Appeals uh, here in the Commonwealth. And one suppresses the evidence, and one finds that the officer uh, acted within the scope of the traffic stop in holding the vehicle and requesting a canine. And I think it's really interesting that both these cases are so fact-specific and focus so much on the officer's observations and articulations of the observations and uh, you know, the, the very specific time, the very specific actions of the suspect in those cases, and um, the specificity is something that I think we're seeing more and more in these cases. So they're really worth going through the details, and I'm going to take them apart step-by-step uh, step in this case. But before we do, I just want to kind of review the rule. In other words, what is it that we're talking about? What's at issue in these cases? And the issue is the basic Fourth Amendment idea under Terry versus Ohio, that if you have reasonable suspicion to believe that someone's engaged in criminal activity, you can detain them for a brief period of time in order to identify them, question them briefly, and confirm or dispel your suspicion of criminal activity. And if, you, if it's a traffic stop or if it's a subject stop, it doesn't really matter. The rule is the same either way. You can hold that person for, as the court described in Terry, the time that is reasonably required to complete the mission of the stop, right? So in Illinois versus Cabalas, for example, <clears throat> if it's a warning ticket it's that you're giving the person, it's the time reasonably required to complete the mission, mission of issuing a warning ticket. And so if you are, in the course of a traffic stop, conducting some investigation into something that you don't have reasonable suspicion for, is that okay? And the courts have all said, yes, that's okay. But in this 2015 case, Illinois versus Rodriguez, what the U.S. Supreme Court said was, it's okay provided it doesn't lengthen the roadside detention. And that's what this Rodriguez case really focuses on is, does it cause the stop to take longer than it normally would in order to accomplish the mission of the stop, whatever the reason for the stop is? And that's what these cases really focus on. If you have reasonable suspicion to continue to hold the vehicle for something else, for something else that you've developed uh, reasonable suspicion of, maybe it's DUI, well, then that stop's going to take much longer. If you see drugs, well, if that's reasonable suspicion of drugs, then that's going to take longer. But if all I have is a traffic violation, then the amount of time that stop is going to take is limited to the amount of time that is reasonably necessary for me to conduct that traffic investigation. And I can do investigations and other things so long as they don't make that stop take any longer. So with that in mind, let's turn to these cases. And I want to start out with a case from the Fourth Circuit from just a couple of weeks ago. It's a case called U.S. versus Miller. This is a, an opinion from November 29th. And it is an opinion written by Judge Gregory. 
uh, who's the chief judge of the Fourth Circuit. And you should already get a clue if you see Judge Gregory's name. He's not a huge fan of police, you know, a lot of a lot of police searches. Um, he's written a lot of the big suppression uh, opinions in the last few years, including U.S. versus Curry, which is that case about active shooters and not being able to stop people running away from active shooters and stuff. So um, you can kind of see where this is going. But here is the facts of the case. So in this case, in Miller, the defendant in this case, she's a convicted felon and she's got a, 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 a firearm in her vehicle. And an officer stops the vehicle for a traffic violation. And in this case, I think it's important to notice that this case, the um, the vehicle, the body camera, the officer's got a body camera and it captures a lot of the details in this case. And that's going to be really important. During the interaction, the officer becomes suspicious of the occupants of the vehicle because he observes that the defendant is shaking and she's uh, kind of nervously tapping on the car door. So a backup, backup officer arrives and the main officer, in this case, prints a warning ticket, walks back to the vehicle, asks the defendant to get out of the car and says, we're going to, uh, this, this officer who conducted the stop is an, actually a canine officer, so he has his own dog. And he says, I'm going to walk my dog around this car to sniff for drugs. Uh, the dog walks around the car and uh, alerts and finds drugs, and the case goes to court. The defendant moves to suppress the evidence, and the trial court in this case says this is a good th this this was a lawful stop, obviously for the traffic violation, but uh, it was also lawful to extend the stop for three reasons. One, the trial court says the defendant in this case was slow to pull over. Two. The court said the defendant was excessively nervous. And three, the defendant was traveling on a known drug corridor. And so these three factors uh, led the court to believe, yeah, it was reasonable in this case for the officer to extend the stop and for the purposes of running his dog around the car. So that's the question that goes to the Court of Appeals, to the Fourth Circuit. And notice here, the officer, the primary officer, the officer who conducts the traffic stop, the one who's giving the warning ticket, the one who's doing the investigation of the traffic stop, he himself has his own narcotic-sniffing canine, which is good and bad, right? One is good because the vehicle doesn't have to wait on the side of the road for the dog to get there. Dog is already there. But it's going to be challenging for us because we're, the officer here has to stop his traffic investigation in order to conduct the dog sniff. He can't do both at the same time. So necessarily, when he runs his dog around the car, the dog, uh, that is going to delay the traffic stop. So the officer here has got to have, in addition to reasonable suspicion of the traffic stop, re of the traffic violation, reasonable suspicion of some drug violation in order to run the dog around the car, uh, because he's going to have to extend the stop to do that. So in this case, does the officer have reasonable suspicion to do that drug investigation? And in this case, the Fourth Circuit examines the facts and says, no. So why? What, what is it that causes the, the, the Fourth Circuit here to go behind the trial court's factual findings and make its own factual findings and say, the trial court was wrong to conclude what it did? Well, again, I mentioned it was important in this case that the officer had a body camera. Now, this is an experienced officer. Um, he's got 14 years of experience in the force. He's done over 2,000 traffic stops. Um, he's got, you know, lots of drug arrests. He's assigned to the street crimes unit, drug unit. You know, he's he's got a lot of training experience, but he's got a body camera in this case, and that's not going to stop the Fourth Circuit, the judge, from reviewing the body camera and drawing their own conclusions about what they're seeing. 
And so they go behind and they look at the district court's findings. Number one, the district court said the defendant was slow to pull over. Well, the court watches the video and they say, okay, well, um, in this case, the driver pulled over in about 13 seconds. Um, and the court said here, you know, a driver should be given time to react and be entitled to make certain uh, that the hailing officer is trying to pull them over. They really are getting stopped and they need to give a meaningful opportunity to reach a safe place to stop. And so the court here says this is a reasonable period of time. Um, there was a well-lit parking lot nearby that the officer wanted her to pull into. But when the officer turns his lights on, the court looks at the video and says, well, she's parallel to the entrance. She can't pull over into that lot. After she passes the lot that the officer wanted her to pull into, there's no other well-lit area nearby. And so she puts her brakes on about four seconds after the officer turns his lights on. But here, the court says, if you watch the video, she's stopping at the first available place in the road where she safely could do so. And so the court says she did stop in a reasonable period of time. The second factor that the court looked at and the court found here was that the defendant was excessively nervous. Now, I've talked about this pod, this before. Um, you might remember I did a podcast early this year on a case called Gubari and a case called McNeil. Uh, Gubari was a Virginia case and McNeil was a federal case. And in both of those cases, officers described excessively nervous behavior on the part of people uh, who were involved in traffic stops. And in both of those cases, the court talked about the really high level of detail that the officers provided saying, this is the kind of nervousness that I don't usually see. Um, so in Gubari and McNeil, they talked about the uh, people had, you know, pulsing in their necks. They had, uh, they were breathing heavily. They were sweating profusely. Um, their hands were shaking. Uh, they had pinpoint pupils. They were staring at their phones while they were talking instead of looking at the officers. There's all these factors that the, um, that the officers were able to describe in those cases that said these people were acting in a way that even people nervous during a traffic stop don't act, that their nervousness was unusual and strange and, uh, and, and stuck out in their mind, excessively nervous, essentially. But in this case, the court looks at the body camera footage again and says, you know, re looking at the body camera, this person does not appear to be excessively nervous. Now, the officer had described in this case how the defendant's hands were shaking. And you might remember we talked about that earlier this year in the other podcast episode, again, where the person uh, hands their license to the officer and his hands are shaking. Here, the officer, the court looks at the video and says, you know, I'm looking at her hands and her hands don't appear to be shaking. Um, so the video doesn't show her hands the whole time, but in the places where her hands are showing in the video, her hands aren't shaking. So did the officer see her hands shaking when his body camera wasn't pointed at her? Yeah, maybe. Uh, but, the, but the court says, when we see her hands, her hands aren't shaking. And so the court goes and says, that's not, uh, not going to be sufficient proof, right? So I want to pause here and, and notice, you know, the articulation in the previous case was when the defendant handed me his license, his hands were shaking. So that's a very specific statement, right? That's a very specific period of time that's saying, okay, at this moment, that's when I saw his hands were shaking. Whereas in the case that we're talking about here in Miller, it's just sort of a general description that the defendant's hands were shaking, which the court questions because they say, well, when we're watching the video, his hand, her hands aren't shaking. Um, and, and in addition to that, 
the court found it significant that um, she was nervous, even though she was told that she was going to be free to go if her license came back clean. And she then sat in the car while the officer ran her license and was tapping her fingers nervously on the side of the car. So the court talks about the tapping of the fingers. And the court here says, you know, fidgeting may be a sign of nervousness. And in fact, there's a federal case on this, a case called Bowman, U.S. versus Bowman. But tapping one's fingers may just as likely be a sign of annoyance, impatience, or even boredom, any one of which may be expected when a person stopped by the police and waiting for the results of a white uh, or license check. And so that in and of itself, the court said, the tapping of the fingers was a very weak indicator of nervousness. So it's not that it's not an indication of nervousness. The court can't deny that. And the reason the court can't deny that is because the court before in the Bowman case had said tapping fingers is a sign of nervousness. So the court can't overrule itself. But the court discounts it very heavily um, in light of the fact that it's the only indication and it could mean a lot of different things. And so what we're left with of those three things the court listed, slow to pull over, excessively nervous, and traveling on a known drug corridor, excuse me, is the traveling on a known drug corridor. And the court here says, you know, that is a, a really not going to help in this case. Traveling on a known drug corridor is not in and of itself probative of criminal behavior and doesn't serve to eliminate a substantial portion of, in, in, of innocent travelers, right? And so... Yeah, I mean, how do you narrow down who you're going to stop, right? A known drug court, 95 is a known drug corridor. Okay, great. Well, there's literally hundreds of thousands of people driving on 95 every day. How does that help you figure out which one of these cars you're going to stop? So sure, it's something that we're aware of, but it's not really going to be something that's going to help me say, yeah, we have reasonable submission to um, to, to, to extend the stop for this person in this stop versus any other stop. And so in this case, the court says there's just not enough reasonable suspicion in this case of uh, drug activity or some other offense other than the traffic violation to stop doing the investigation of the traffic violation and extend the stop to run the dog around the car, and the court suppresses the evidence. All right, so let's talk about the other case, and that is the Hypes case and this is a case from September from the Virginia Court of Appeals. And this is from a newer judge. This is from Judge Raphael. And it's interesting, Judge Raphael uh, was a civil lawyer his whole life. He never did criminal cases. Uh, but he's written many opinions since he's become a judge recently in criminal cases. And he, whenever he writes opinions about criminal cases, uh, he writes very, very detailed, very well-researched uh, Kate, uh, opinions that are always uh, interesting to read and always have a lot of law in them and really, really careful, detailed analysis. And the Hypes case is no different. In the Hypes case, uh, now this is a case from Pulaski County, and it's a case where officers stopped a person for, um, for making two lane changes without signaling to pass another vehicle. And the vehicle the officer stops and this is important in this case, has farm use tags. Uh, and by the way, you know, little side note, remember next year, we're going to have this new rule that farm use tags, you know, the whole chaos of just slapping farm use tags on your, you know, Tesla or Porsche or whatever, uh, that's all over with. Next year, you're going to have to have an actual fixed farm use tag placard that you register with DMV and so on. So 
Uh, hopefully this case will be kind of a thing of the past. But anyway, Hypes is driving this truck and the officer goes to pull over Mr. Hypes. And Mr. Hypes, uh, like Ms. Miller, uh, doesn't pull over immediately. Now, Ms. Miller delayed 13 seconds. Mr. Hypes delays about three minutes. Um, so basically, he has to, Pulaski County Sheriff here has to sh kind of pursue Mr. Hypes. Now, he only he doesn't drive very fast. Um, he, sl he slows down, he turns right, but he drives about a quarter mile uh, before stopping at a dead end. And uh, ultimately, then he drives about a half a mile, but this whole thing takes several minutes. He it takes him several minutes to drive this half mile before he finally stops his vehicle. The officer walks up, uh, Hypes gives him his driver's license, and he says, you know, what took you so long, dude? And the guy says, well, my, window, my windshield was fogged up, and I was turning off the road to clear it up. Uh, I'm going to Walmart to buy chicken feed, which would be a reason to have, you know, drive a vehicle with farm use tags. Um, and um, the officer asked for permission to search. The guy said no. And Hypes immediately picks up his phone and uh, says he's going to call his lawyer. So the officer goes back to his vehicle uh, and, and he's going to run the VIN number on the car. So he gets the VIN number on the car and he's going to run the VIN number on the car, gets back to his vehicle and waits for the VIN number to come back, the response on the VIN number to come back. And so while he's sitting in his car waiting for the VIN information to come back, uh, he's just sitting there doing nothing else, waiting for this VIN number. So he calls for a canine unit. And he calls for a canine unit. Now, does he have reasonable suspicion at this point that there's drugs in the car? No. Uh, but he just said, well, you know, I'm going to call for the canine unit because I'm just sitting around here doing nothing else anyway. And so uh, the stop takes place about 1223. We got some really specific information because, again, uh, you know, we got the CAD unit. We got the video from the case. And so about 1223 is when Hypes finally stops the car. 1228 is when he finally gets the VIN number information back. And when he gets the VIN number information back, he then decides, all right, I'm going to start writing a summons for the improper lane change and also for the defendant's license being suspended. Um, the, de the defendant's license came back suspended, but he hadn't gotten notice of the suspension. And so uh, in this case, he's, he's, um, he's just giving him the notice of suspension. He's not writing him for driving suspended because he didn't know he was suspended or at least we couldn't prove he didn't know he was suspended. So he's, uh, Hodge is writing the summons, and he articulates, you know, I'm writing the summons, I'm not writing it as fast as I possibly could. Um, I'm paying a little bit of attention, I'm paying attention to writing the summons, but I'm also paying attention to hypes, and I'm paying attention to the passenger. I'm trying to kind of watch both of them and see what they're doing, um, because again, he was kind of defensive, he took a little while to pull over, it was a little suspicious, so... You know, he's not writing the summons as fast as he possibly can. Um, the canine unit then is on the way. Um, the uh, canine unit arrives and when he, and it takes about 12 and a half minutes for the canine unit to get there. So he's writing the summons and he's writing the notice of suspension um, and it does take him, and he tells testifies a trial, longer than it normally would to do that. Why did it take him longer? Well, he can articulate a couple of reasons. One is he didn't have a copy of the truck's registration uh, because Hypes didn't have one, so he had to use the computer. And uh, again, the VIN, you know, he had to use the VIN information and so on, so it's just taking longer because he doesn't have a lot of the information, you know, on, on paper like he normally would. Dog shows up. Dog walks around the car. While the dog is walking on the car, though, the primary officer is staying in the car focused on writing the summons. It's taken longer than normal, but he's staying in the car focused on writing the summons uh, and testifies he really kind of barely notices what's going on with the canine. He didn't even notice the canine officer when he arrived. Uh, 
So when the canine officer walks around the car a couple times, he alerts on the car. Um, that takes about five minutes. And as he, after the dog alerts in the car, the primary officer finishes the summons, finishes the notice of suspension. In total, it took him about 13 minutes to write the summons and the notice of suspension. So he gets out of the car, walks up to Hypes, gives him the driver's license, gives him the suspension and notice of suspension and summons. Hypes signs them both. At that point, though, his fellow officer says, hey, my dog alerted on the car. Well, of course, at that point, we've got probable cause to search the car. We search the car. We find a gun. We find drug paraphernalia. We find a container uh, in the back of the car with more methamphetamine. Uh, this guy's so obviously at this point he's going to be arrested and he goes to court and he moved to suppress. So in this case, did the officer unlawfully extend the stop in order for the canine to walk around the car? There's no question he had a basis to stop, right? The vehicle made an uh, unsafe lane change and didn't signal. And so that's reasonable position to stop the car. There's no question that we can walk a dog around a car and we don't need any reason to do that. There's no requirement in the law that we have any reason to run a dog around the car. But if we extend the stop longer than is reasonable to do our traffic investigation, then what we get out of that extension would be unlawful, uh, even if we did lawfully stop the car. And so here the court reviews that law again, right? The seizure for a traffic violation justifies a police investigation. No question about that. But the duration of a police inquiry in a traffic stop is determined by the mission of the stop. And in this case, it's to address a traffic violation that warranted the stop and attend to related safety concerns, right? So the stop has to be lawful, and there's no question it is here, but the officer's actions during the stop must be reasonably related to the, in scope to the basis for the stop. And so here, Judge Raphael reviews the Rodriguez reasoning, right? A police stop exceeding, exceeding the time needed to handle the matter for which the stop was made violates the Constitution. And so a seizure justified only by a traffic violation, which is what we have in this case, becomes unlawful if it's prolonged beyond the time reasonably required to complete the mission of the stop. Sure, an officer can conduct certain unrelated checks during a traffic stop, like a dog sniff, but you can't do it in a way that prolongs the stop unless you have reasonable suspicion of, this other, of another crime like drugs or DUI or whatever. So um, you got to stay within the scope of what you have reasonable suspicion for, i.e. the mission of the stop. And the mission can change if you have reasonable suspicion of something else. Um, so tasks that fall within the lawful scope of the traffic stop, though, like securing your, your safety, uh, that calling for backup, getting people out of a car, telling people to stay in a car, maintaining the safety of the highways, checking driver's licenses, inspecting vehicle registration, inspecting proof of insurance, uh, de determining whether the vehicle has outstanding warrants, in this case, checking the VIN number. All of those things uh, are permissible within the scope of any normal traffic stop, right? That's okay. Now, the proof of insurance thing, by the way, that's the Supreme Court talking, not in Virginia. We don't have a requirement in Virginia that we check proof of insurance. But here, the quote, court is just quoting Rodriguez itself. So, uh, again, the court here examines the facts of this case in great detail. So let's look at the facts. The court says here, can, can Deputy Hodge, Hodge call the canine unit? Sure, absolutely. If he's just sitting in the car waiting for the VIN results to come back and he's got nothing else to do uh, and he's got to get the VIN results back, 
then sure, if he's just sitting around like, well, I got nothing else to do. I might as well call for a canine unit. That's okay. The critical question here is whether or not the dog sniff occurred before or after the officer issued a ticket, um, as, but also whether the dog sniff prolonged the stop. And in here, the court said, no, it didn't prolong the stop. The time it would take the officer to prepare the summons and notice of suspension was basically the same uh, here as when the, if you look at the amount of time that was necessary to complete the stop, the canine arrived and walked around the car within that period of time. And in fact, when the dog showed up and was walking around the car, the officer was still working on the summons. And he testified, as we, as, as we noted before, that the officer took about 13 minutes to complete the paperwork and in fact was still completing the paperwork when the dog was done. Was it reasonable to check out whether the cars, whether the vehicle uh, had a proper VIN number, whether it properly bore farm use tags, and whether other uh, violations existed? Absolutely, the court said. Definitely, that's a normal traffic stop. Here in this case, Hypes didn't have a written proof of registration, so Hodge had to go get that information, and that's appropriate. Um, it doesn't matter that he doesn't ultimately need the VIN number to write the summons. It's within the scope of a proper traffic stop that you can check on a VIN number of a car, especially when the person doesn't have their registration on them. And the court explained here and quoted the U.S. Supreme Court that these checks serve the same objective as enforcement of the traffic code, which is ensuring that vehicles on the road are operated safely and responsibly. So here again, the court doesn't criticize the officer for running the VIN, waiting for the VIN check to come back, making sure the vehicle is properly registered, and so on. As far as the speed with which he's writing the summons, and remember I mentioned that he's writing the summons, but he's also kind of keeping his eye on Hodges and keeping his eye on the passenger. The court here says, and again quotes Rodriguez, while an officer must be reasonably diligent in completing traffic-based inquiries expeditiously, the standard is reasonableness, not maximum speed. And so the court here looks back at that language from Rodriguez from 2015. The question is, when are the tasks tied to the traffic fraction complete, or when should they reason reasonably should have been completed? And so reasonable is the word that the court focuses on here. And the court here writes, as long as the officers complete their duties with reasonable diligence and did not act to prolong the stop for purposes beyond the mission of the stop, courts do not require that they act in the fastest or most efficient manner possible. While he's waiting for the VIN check, could he start filling out the summons? Yeah, maybe he could have, but that's not the requirement here. The requirement is, is he acting reasonably? And so here, um, the court uh, does not go behind or question the trial court's rulings. Um, here, the court simply says, on based on the objective facts, uh, this, was a, this was a reasonable amount of time for the officer to conduct the traffic stop, and the canine sniff happened within the scope of that. Officer didn't delay, and it's lawful. It's interesting, um, here in this case, the officer himself testified, I didn't purposely delay in writing the summons. I didn't purposely delay in writing the suspension notice. And the court, the trial court had considered that. The court of appeals said, you know, that's interesting. He, 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 he says that, you know, I wasn't intending to do that. I didn't try to do that. And the court says, you know, that's, it's interesting. It's supposed to be an objective inquiry. What does it really matter what the officer himself testifies as to his intent or his state of mind? And the court says, you know, it's interesting. 
it's an interesting question whether or not we should take into account an officer's statement of his intent or a statement of his state of mind. And the courts ultimately decides we don't really have to look at that. We don't really have to answer that question, whether that's admissible in court, uh, because here the objective facts are sufficient to demonstrate that the officer did act lawfully. And so the evidence is admissible and the defendant in this case is convicted. So we have two, I think, really interesting cases to close out the year. Um, just like we had two interesting cases to kind of start out the year on the reasonable amount of time to uh, to detain somebody and uh, tra- and and traffic and the scope and the reasonable scope of traffic stops. Um, if you want to go back to the original episode that we did talk about this, we talked about uh, Gubari and McNeil. That's episode seventy one, and again we did that a, a number of months ago. I think we did it back in the spring or late winter, and that's kind of an interesting episode too. Those are two definitely interesting cases. But for today, that's all from me. That's all from Big E. Uh, If you guys like the podcast, definitely tell your friends. I don't know what you're listening to this on, but we are out on SoundCloud, which is a website, uh, and it's free. Uh, We're on Apple Podcasts, which you can use on your iPhone, and that's free. And we are on Stitcher Podcasts, which is an app available on Android and iPhone devices, and that's free. It's all free. So if you like the podcast, tell your friends. If you don't like the podcast, don't tell your friends. Other than that, guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me today and this year. I'm going to try to do maybe one more episode before the year is out. Uh, I know I've not put out a lot of episodes lately, and I'm sorry about that, but I want to get some more content out for you guys. Please, during the holiday season, stay safe and don't get captured. See you next time.